0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Middle Madness, a podcast about Texas Tech basketball. This is episode 20. Wow, can't believe it's been 20 episodes already. Congratulations to us, and thank you for listening. For 20 episodes of our nonsense, we've got more of it today. Today, it's all about Miley Wilson, um, the transfer from Louisiana um, it is pronounced my leak it is also spelled my leak in case you were wondering um, but yeah we're, we're gonna dive into what he brings to the Red Raiders what kind of uh, two seasons he had at Louisiana um, but before that allow me to introduce my co-host Emery Lida Emery how are you today summer is near how are you feeling
1: ah, feeling good weather here in North Carolina is still strange it was 50 degrees and raining today which I did not expect but we're just getting closer to summer season Tech's basketball roster is taking shape and I'm excited to discuss it Miley Wilson's a guy that I've kind of been watching for a couple of weeks now um kind of caught my eye as someone Tech's potentially interested in so I'm excited to kind of dive into his game I think he's going to be an interesting addition and we'll get into that in a little bit but Certainly, it was exciting news over the last week to see that he had committed and kind of brought yet another guard presence, and I think his game is one that Tech fans are going to like.
0: Yeah, I've really enjoyed um, watching his film, getting to know what he's like as a player, um, both on the film and also on paper. Um, so let's just go ahead and let's dive into Myleek Wilson. So he is a six foot three, one hundred and seventy five pound guard. Um, so he's kind of built like a point guard, like a traditional point guard would be. Um, he played two seasons at Louisiana, so he comes to Tech with three years of eligibility remaining. So that's obviously a plus for Texas Tech. Um, just kind of assuming that he he takes those years to develop and he doesn't leave the program or declare for the NBA draft he should have more than one season of contribution which is which is solid he was the sunbelt rookie of the year in his first season so a pretty pretty uh, important accolade there and then he made the conference all-tournament team last year he averaged 12.9 points and 3.2 assists per game on offense with a shooting split of 43.9% from the field, 24.5% from deep, which, if that sounds scary, we're going to talk about that in a minute, and then 72.8% from the free throw line. But really, the most noteworthy thing that I found about his game is his defense. He averaged two steals and a block per game, and then five and a half rebounds. So, Emery, you kind of alluded to it earlier. But he was a guy that was on your radar. He was actually somebody that you mentioned in the last episode. So good eyes there, Um, just monitoring the situation. But, I mean, you've you've watched more of him than I have. Um, I've only been in his tape and kind of getting to know him since he committed. But, yeah, what was your initial reaction to the pickup, especially considering that he was somebody that you were monitoring?
1: Well, it's always good to kind of see someone that I was optimistic about in the first place committing to the program, because uh, he really was one of those guys. Now, the shooting splits, and we'll get into that in a little bit, is a little bit on the concerning side. Um, but the defensive value that he brings is absolutely incredible. I mean, he's a great on-ball defender, which is becoming a trend on the guys that Tech has been picking up in the cycle between... Warren and Arms and obviously Chandler Jacobs, those are all guys that would be positive on ball defenders and now add Wilson in the mix. I think he's probably a step above all of those guys in my opinion. Because he's able to be aggressive on the ball. I mean, you look at his steal percentage is very impressive. And if you watch the film, he gets a lot of his steals purely off of picking people's pocket essentially. As opposed to, you know, someone like Kevin McCullough kind of mixes his steals with more of like the picking off passes deflections and whatnot and someone like terrence shannon in his freshman year for example really thrived off of the off ball steals whereas wilson's one of those guys that gets a lot of steals just simply from taking the dribble away from another player and i think that's seriously impressive when speaks to his aggressiveness and his ability to do it without fouling i mean obviously his foul rate got a little bit excessive at times um I mean, there were a couple of games over the course of his couple of years where he flirted with foul trouble. He only have fouled out of one game this past season, but certainly he's able to play that aggressive on ball defense. Off the ball, his instincts are pretty good as well. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily the elite off ball defender. I think someone like Namari Burnett, for example, was who I would consider to be the barometer for being like an elite off ball defender, but he certainly has the capability to be disruptive off the ball, to really make sound rotations did not seem to make a ton of mistakes there Um, and then obviously that's sort of the defensive side where I think he's really valuable and someone that you can plug and play into your rotation and offensively it's really interesting because his role was significantly different from last year even though you look at the offensive output it ended up being relatively similar he had a bit of a higher usage but it was very much more so on driving it to the paint, getting self-looks there, as opposed to the his freshman year was more of a mix. He took a lot more three-point shots his freshman year. He's actually assisted slightly less his freshman year than last year and was able to make plays for others. I think some of that is who Louisiana brought in over the course of offseason. But pretty much his role in his freshman year was very much more I would say in a more aggressive offensive initiator from the outside, but less of someone that drives. But what he'll give you is someone that can really pressure the rim well, which, again, Tech has been looking for this offseason. It's, it's a skill set that's very valuable to have. He shot up over 60% at the rim in both of his two years at Louisiana. And so you have that rim presence. He's also good at feeling out passes and being able to kick out to the perimeter, which with the way Tech has been – kind of bringing in shooters is going to be valuable. So I think his offensive value, obviously there's questions there with the shot. And I think we're going to discuss that later. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it and about his offensive impact in general. But I think the offense is there to complement the defense. And I would say that both sides of the court, he can provide an impact on the team that really, I mean, is something that Tech always is going to need. You need guys that can pressure the rim. You need guys that are good on-ball defenders. I think Wilson provides both of those in spades.
0: That's good info. I'm definitely on the same page as you with a lot of it. Um, I mean, on paper, like, if you just do a quick, like, ESPN search on this guy and you look at his numbers, he kind of looks like another one of these do-it-all guys like we get with, uh, like, guys like Warren and Arms. Um, But he's really, like, a he's a really good ball handler, and that's what I've noticed on his film that I've really enjoyed is uh, he's just very, very comfortable handling the ball. Like, Warren is as well. Arms, not so much. Jacobs, definitely. Um, but I imagine that um, Wilson specifically will be playing a lot of his minutes running the offense or at least um, serving in some kind of role that incorporates that. So whether that's like if he's like the primary initiator on the floor or somebody that you can trust to kind of swing it out um, to guys on the wing. Like you mentioned, he had really good kickouts. I liked that. Um But I also like I really liked what I saw from him in transition, which can be kind of redundant, especially when we're looking at guys that are going to be playing a level higher than they were a season before. But I really think that his transition offense is kind of indicative of everything he brings to the floor um, at getting to the rim. And I'm going to mention his numbers uh, and how often he got to the rim when we talk about his shot and why I don't think it's an issue, but he he is really good at getting to the rim, putting the ball down and then scoring there. So, I mean, Wilson actually might be one of my favorite pickups that, that tech has landed this, this off season. I really like Chandler Jacobs. And the more I watch Jacobs, I really like him, but uh, just Wilson is a really well-rounded player. You mentioned the defense. I also noticed that um, the on-ball defense is extraordinary. He also is really good at disrupting screens and like, Stealing the ball through a screen, which is a super difficult thing to do defensively. And it takes, um, it's like a lot of IQ in addition to just pure talent. So that's definitely a plus. Um, But I definitely think that he can be one of these guys that maybe defends a position up. So I can see him guarding like twos and maybe threes in in some situations. Um, I can't believe he's 6'3". He looks a little bit taller than that on his tape. Um, But yeah, we we kind of alluded to the, the offensive numbers seeing a little bit of variance, um, especially the shooting. Um, and I actually had a question about that on Twitter where somebody was concerned about his percentages because his three-point percentage, he shot 35.8 his freshman season, and then he shot 24.5% his... Uh, his sophomore season. So that's an 11.3% dip, which is not good. Um, but what really, really stuck out to me, and you kind of mentioned it already, is is the volume of how much of his shots he was taking from deep. So he, he shot 29 for 81 from deep his freshman year, and he was 13 for 53 um, from his sophomore year. So if you look at that from a perf- Percentage of his total shots perspective or um, the way it's defined, if you're just looking at it on paper, is three PAR or three point attempting about 30 percent of his total shots from from the field being three-pointers to about 17.6. So he relied a lot less on the three-point shot. And it's kind of weird, especially with a guy that's playing mid-major basketball, not in the spotlight a lot. You've got to dig if you want to try and figure out what, what happened here. So I'm interested, before I give you just kind of my opinion on his shot and what I think I'm interested to hear. Like, are you worried about the shot? What did you see on tape? Did it reinforce the dip or are you not worried about it?
1: I I think the shot, even at his best, even in his freshman year, it wasn't something I would consider to be a strength of his. I mean, in college, the percentages are going to be a little bit off at times just because of how few attempts you can take in a full season, I mean, the fact is Malik Wilson only took 46 attempts that were legitimately against um, Division One opponents that were registered on Bartovic. He took 53 total, I believe, this past season. And those are numbers where if you shoot the ball four times and make all four of them, that's going to significantly improve your three-point percentage in a year. And conversely, if you miss five straight, it's going to plummet. I mean, you see that happen all the time. You saw a game I like to point out in terms of variance is Kyle Edwards against Kansas and how it took him almost half the season to really kind of normalize that game and kind of reduce the impact of it from reducing his percentages by multiple points and Edwards is a much higher volume three-point shooter than I think Wilson will ever be and I mean his shot I would say this past season did not look quite as bad as the percentages would say I do find it curious how it seemed like he kind of abandoned the three-point shot over the course of the conference season I mean his rate after the January game against UT Arlington where he made five out of five he only attempted three or more shots from three-point range I believe three times over the course of his last 12 games or so and those are I mean that sort of rate change is always interesting and it's worth noting Louisiana is a team that had some form of guards that were elite shooters. You look at Cedric Russell, who's 40% on good volume. Then someone like Devin Butts came in and was a really good kind of off-the-ball shooter. Someone Tech could still potentially go out and get, which, I mean, we can talk about later. But going on with that, Louisiana had shooters around him. I think kind of playing into that whole he's great at driving and kicking. It also reduced the need for him to do something that he wasn't particularly efficient at. I think if you look at the freshman tape, it wasn't like he was taking easy shots to get to that 35% from three. He took a lot of shots that were kind of more on the difficult side, a lot of pull-up jumpers. Obviously, the mid-range would enforce that, where he took only about a quarter of a shot to assist, and then the three-pointers in his freshman year, he still took a lot of off-the-dribble shots, and a lot of shots that were arguably pretty contested, and I think that his shooting is honestly a case where he's more comfortable shooting it off the dribble, which is kind of rare. Um, I'm not sure it's really a big issue because I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's a real spot up threat, just because he's clearly struggles to some degree with his form in that case. Um, this is getting real nitpicky, by the way, so I'm going to warn you here. But he's got kind of his legs tend to come together quite a bit where you shoots and at times can even come across which is not something you want to see from someone that's an elite off ball shooter someone that kind of thrives in that role and he also has a little bit of a lean to it even though he squares up I mean those are just kind of minor things that over the course of a season you won't really notice that much in the field of play but it is something that I think kind of limits his off ball but on the ball it helps to create separation occasionally with kind of how quick and twitchy his shot can be and so I think you're going to see him take shots that are off the dribble. And I think it's almost going to be a little bit similar to Mac McClung and how he's a guy that can create separation on his shot pretty well. And I think his ability to shoot off the dribble is still a valuable trait, even if it's not the most efficient shot. It's one that he's comfortable with taking. And even, even over the course of the last season, there were a couple of games where he was willing to pull the trigger on that. And I think, his overall ability to get to the rim is still going to be more kind of valuable and his shooting. It is a swing skill because I think it allows him to be more of that on-ball creator, just having that ability to pull up and make defenses respect it. But I mean, I wouldn't say the shot is a huge red flag. It's not like he's Ben Simmons where he's straight up incompetent and, and and unable to shoot the ball from deep, but it is something where I think he's certainly limited in what he can do. And so, I mean, I guess to conclude, and it's kind of been long-winded, but I would say that his shot isn't one that I would say is broken. I think it's one that's limited, and it's going to make it to where he's not necessarily someone that you want to have out there as a force spacer by any means. But I wouldn't say that it's useless, because I think his ability to hit off the dribble is still valuable and still something that the team can utilize.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We, we've got a lot of the same notes here, so I'm going to try and not uh, totally repeat what you just said. But um, I kind of just asked around, talked to some people that I know that watch a lot more mid-major basketball than me. And I had a few of them that were like, oh, like last year was an outlier. He, he'll be like a 34, 35 percent shooter um, at Texas Tech with like some good Big 12 spacing. And then I had a handful of people say like, oh, I don't really by the shot I don't really know like how he shot that well his freshman year like last year was more coming to earth so I think it's interesting that like usually I like to help uh, utilize other people's opinions who are more well-versed than I am to kind of form or at least set my expectations for a guy but really now I've just got to rely on what what I've seen on film and just kind of what the numbers say. But. I mean you mentioned being nitpicky. I also noticed that um his form is a little weird. He kind of I don't know if you've you've heard it referenced this way, but he kind of snake bites his shot. Um he kind of uses a lot of wrists like he he almost like beams it towards the basket rather than um shooting it in like an arc arc motion, which is kind of like that's extremely nitpicky, but like you can see it in his free throws, his elbow is a little bit weird, his right elbow, and you can really see his his el- his wrist, um, really carrying a lot of the shot there. Um, but like you mentioned, I noticed that he did create a lot of his shots off the dribble. Um, and so I I'm, I'm with you; that can be a good thing and a bad thing. It can be a good thing in that, you know, if you get him the ball in the corner, he's not gonna just stand there and try and pass out of it. He can hopefully. Take a couple of dribbles and then shoot. Um, but also you hope that he can make those shots from the corner without having to put the ball on the court. And then he has good range, especially his freshman year. That's what I noticed. He took a couple of really deep shots and and he made them. Um, so I, I don't really know if if it's going to be a weapon at Tech. And I, I like what you, what, what you mentioned with the liability. I kind of had something similar written in that. Um, just to, I, I still can't get accounting out of my head. But whether it'll be an asset is, is to be determined. But I don't see it being a, a handicap or a liability. I mean, you look at his numbers last season, and he shoots thirteen for. And you want to go look at, at players on last year's Texas Tech team, and and I, I just wanted to see who had similar numbers to him. And Kevin McCullers are are almost identical. McCuller made 13 shots, just like Wilson, um, but he attempted 46, so he was actually a little bit better of a shooter than Wilson was last season. And I mean, Kevin McCuller, it would it would be nice if he had a shot, but he's not getting like played off the floor because of it. And then I mean, like you mentioned, he just gets to the rim so well. Wilson does. I'm I'm really excited about that. I think it'll be. His best um, weapon on offense, I think we're going to see it a lot, especially next to guys like Arms, who really want, who you want to keep in that secondary playmaking role, who you don't want really initiating the offense. I think that's going to be a huge asset for him. He was seventy-eight of one hundred and twenty-seven at the rim, so he shot about sixty-two percent at the rim, and I mean that—that's a lot of volume. That—that that tells me. And then he finished. and then he finished there uh well. He finished there efficiently. Um I think that'll really complement guys like Davion Warren. Warren was ninety-five of one thirty-seven, so just under seventy percent. Um, that's really exciting. Having guys that can create their own offense, especially high percentage shots, so guys that can get to the rim. That's something I'm super excited about because that's not really something that that tech had last season. I mean, there were a lot of guys who were good primary ball handlers, guys that I would trust uh, bringing the ball up the floor. But there wasn't really a ton of guys, if any, really, that could get to the rim consistently and create their own offense consistently. So that's what I'm really excited about. Um, But I know the thing that has to have Mark Adams the most excited is the defense. Um, And then he's a guy that's really going to fill the box score. So I tweeted this out um, a few days ago, I guess right after they landed Wilson. And 25 Division I players that averaged more than 10 points per game, while also having a steal rate greater than 3%, a block rate greater than 2%, and a rebounding rate greater than 8%. And three of those 25 players, um, and that's Kevin McCuller, Miley Wilson, and Davian Warren, will play for Texas Tech next season. So that's really good news, and it bodes well for Texas Tech's defense especially, Um, but I guess if you could just kind of, I know this is the hardest part of kind of gauging these transfers um, and trying to figure out where they'll fit in. But if you could kind of predict what kind of production you think Warren Wilson is going to put up at Tech next season, what do you think that's going to look like?
1: I think the initial barometer that I would put, or their initial kind of limit test would be how much minutes does he end up playing? Because I think. That's the part of it that's really going to dictate a lot of it, because I think guys like Chandler Jacobs, Davion Warren, Adonis Arms, Clarence Ledomley, Malik Wilson are going to have a lot of overlap in terms of the minutes that they play. And I think that you've got a really stacked group of guys that can all pressure the rim, all handle the ball. And I think that Tech probably isn't even done getting guys that can kind of play in those guards or shorter wing. Minutes. I think that you have to look at that and take it into account with the production. I'm not sure how Wilson's going to slot in in terms of exactly how many minutes he's going to play. I mean, we mentioned that last podcast about how you can't really get a good gauge on players' productions or what their roles are going to be until we get a better view of how the roster is constructed. And then we start to see kind of how. They look in practice and how Mark Adams is going to be utilizing them because I think that's a very important aspect of this. Is you've got someone like Malik Wilson and Ernest Arms and Davion Warren. All three of those guys come from places where they played a lot of on-ball minutes, being primary ball handlers. I don't think all three of them are going to play that specific role at Tech. I think specifically Arms is almost certainly not going to have anywhere near the usage he did at Winthrop, and Wilson is another guy where you where he's had a lower usage. He was more, he played a lot of on-ball minutes, but it didn't necessarily necessarily correlate to being the engine, so to speak, of his offense, whereas someone like Davion Warren really kind of manufactured so much of the offense for Hampton. And I think that you have to kind of look at that. And I think Wilson, the best thing for me to look at Wilson's production would be kind of take each phase of his Game. You look at his defense, and you would expect his on-ball defense to carry over. I mean, he certainly had a good game against Baylor on the defensive end. I watched a good portion of that, or what I could find. Obviously, it's so far back and wasn't on a perfect platform. I'm pretty sure it was on like full hoops or something. But he had two steals in that one, and both were on-ball steals. And he generally played well against Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler. So he was forced to kind of play against them a lot, and really. And throughout conference play, he got a lot of the lead ball handler assignments defensively and was forced to really play a whole lot of on-ball defensive assignments. And so I think Wilson's defensive role there is pretty much if he gets good minutes, he's going to be a guy that takes on the main assignment. And I feel confident saying that. So I feel like his steal rate is going to stay relatively similar. I mean, I don't know if he's going to have the outlier five steal types of games every other night but I do think you're going to see him kind of take a lot of the responsibility on the ball defensively and play in roles that he's going to have to be switching, and he's going to help out with the versatility defensively. And I think as well as that, offensively, you're going to see him play in a role that's going to give him the opportunity to keep utilizing that creation, because I feel like his ability to pressure the rim, as much as we like Davion Moore and Clarence Sedomley, for example, I think his ability to get to the rim and kind of create for himself is, in my opinion, maybe slightly better than either of those guys or Chandler Jacobs as well. And that speaks nothing against those guys, but his ability to kind of just have that burst and kind of seamlessly get to the rim without really putting the ball in danger is something that impressed me. And I think that that's going to carry over pretty well, even if he's not able to get the transition opportunities at the higher level, which might kind of deflate his percentages just a little bit. I still think it's a valuable trade to have And I feel like you're going to see a lot of that. And I think those kind of skill sets are where we can really project outwards. I'm going to hope that he gets to that 30% mark shooting. I think that it's certainly viable. I would say last season, he kind of shied away after a cold stretch to start the season. He was at 15% at one point. And I feel like I'm not entirely sure what happened, but I think that kind of does rationalize it a little bit better. So I'm we'll hope that he can shoot decently and i think the actual volume stats are going to kind of be to be determined based off of the minutes so i think to conclude i'm hoping that his i'm pretty sure his on-ball defense is going to stay as a huge valuable asset and i feel like that's going to translate i feel confident there's pressure on the rim and playmaking is going to be something that tech can utilize all the way throughout the year I think the shooting, again, 30% is kind of where we're looking at, and I think the volume for all of that stuff is going to be dictated by his role, which unfortunately I do not have the answer to yet, but hopefully we'll get a better picture of that in the coming months.
0: Yeah, I've kind of preached patience with a lot of these guys just because, like you, you mentioned it earlier, but a lot of these guys, high usage rates high turnover numbers, lo- low shooting efficiencies. And my message this offseason has kind of been, okay, Like these these guys' numbers are going to go down when they come to Lubbock. That's just kind of the way it works. They'll have a lesser role in the offense. And then hopefully other areas of their game will, will be beneficiaries of that because they won't have to be doing as much. Um, but in turn, they obviously won't be scoring as much. But with Wilson – I'm actually a little bit bullish on him I've got to admit I, I really like what I've seen on his game I think he's a play now guy I don't think that he's really a project especially for being um, like a he has three years of eligibility left and he's only played two like for him playing as well as he is as a non-grad transfer and coming into coming into a program like that's huge and I, I really like his game I think that he can just kind of not really knowing what what kind of minutes he's gonna See, feel pretty comfortable projecting him as a, at least a high as a high minutes coming off the bench, kind of top of the rotation player. And I think that that when he does that, he's he can see like some Chris Clark esque box numbers. And I know a lot of people will hear that and they'll kind of shiver because not not everybody loved the way that Chris Clark played at Texas Tech. Um, but, what I mean when I say that is that he 's going to get a handful of rebounds, a couple of assists, and then he 's going to score on top of that every single game and he 's going to do it consistently and he 's going to play good defense um, he kind of He kind of reminds me of like um, almost like the lawn right um, but like Grizzlies version of DeLon, right? And then we're kind of seeing shades of it with the Kings this year. I'm, I'm sure if you, like multiple people listening to this are Mavericks fans and they're thinking of Dallas DeLon, right? But I want you to purge that from your memory, go back and watch DeLon's old tape. Kind of get what I'm, what I'm saying here. And that's just a guy that has a really good sense of where to grab boards. He plays good defense. He He's a pretty good passer. And then he gets to the rim. Well, Um, So, I mean, I don't really know, like, I can't, I can't give numbers right now just because I can't give numbers for anybody. But like, saying like a a handful of assists, rebounds, and then like 10 points or something like that doesn't feel crazy, um, especially considering that I said I was going to be bullish. But I I think he can be a contributor next year. And I'm I'm really excited to kind of see how he develops over the summer, if he adds some weight. Um, maybe tries to guard a position higher, like maybe he can play one through three. I, I really like his hands on defense. That's the thing that I'm really, really excited to see next season is the defense. Like we're sitting here talking about what kind of offensive player he can be, but I, I really like his defense. I, I definitely agree with you in that. I think it's going to translate just seamlessly because he, he played against the a few high-level guys, and then obviously just the instincts and the the IQ, it's there on tape. It's not just stats that are showing up. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how confident I am in the, uh like, certain statistics areas of it, but I definitely do think that he is going to contribute next season. Um, but obviously a big part of that does have to do with how many minutes he's going to play per game. And a large part of that will be determined if Mac McClung returns or or not. So I mean, obviously, they've now landed multiple guards dash perimeter players. You know, whether that be wings or or shooting guards or whatever, they definitely have a lot of perimeter pieces, and I, I like that strategy. I'm well documented on that. I think it was right games in this perimeter in this conference on the perimeter. Um, But by my count um, and you can find kind of my snapshot of the roster on my Twitter page. It's, it's my twin Pete. It's my pinned tweet. Um, Sorry. Talking a lot here. Um, But my count does include Avery Benson and um, Ethan Duncan as scholarship players. Um, Just to be conservative, there has been some reporting on Duncan being a scholarship player. Nobody really knows with Benson. It seems like, and that doesn't, including McClung, they have three scholarships left now. So, obviously, it's getting kind of to a crunch time. You know, a few weeks ago, we we came on here and we were like, throw a scholarship at everybody, see what happens, see what sticks. Um, but now you've kind of got to start being methodical. You've got to start thinking about the way the roster is coming together. And with that said, it has seemed like the staff has really emphasized these perimeter pieces and these guards You mentioned the last episode when we kind of gave our percentages on these guys returning that you thought it was interesting how a lot of these guys were replacing Terrence Shannon type roles who, I mean, we both think is gone. Like we both think is gone. We think he is an NBA player and we think he will be drafted. But neither of us were really totally confident in McClung leaving. But it seems like the recruiting strategy is telling us otherwise. I'm curious to hear if you think that's true do you do you think that the way this the staff is recruiting is an indication that McClung is gone, or do you think this is just trying to load up at a certain position?
1: I, mean, I would say that bringing in Malik Wilson in a vacuum is not really indicative of anything outside of the fact that he's an exceptional basketball player, but I think tech could really utilize the skills. And I think in general, the focus on guards and wings this offseason, if you notice, it's been really kind of skill set based. All of these guys can play really good defense and they all have varying skill sets offensively that they can utilize off the dribble. And I think that's something that Mark Adams has really placed an emphasis on. I think it preaches versatility and it preaches being able to play with pace and continue to switch effectively on defense and have having solid on ball defenders throughout. And so, I mean, I would say as of now, Mac McClung, at least in my opinion, I haven't really changed my mindset on the odds of him coming back just based off of who Tech has recruited, because it's really like pretty much all of these guys, I can feel like I can explain away without bringing up McClung's name. I mean, Chandler Jacobs, for instance, was brought in really early in the cycle, someone that kind of had that defensive ability with a whole lot of shooting ability and the ability to get to the rim. Malik Wilson is kind of really that great facilitator, good at pressure in the rim, obviously an elite defender. Those are skill sets the tech needs. And then you start looking at guys that are more wing hybrids, guys like Davion Warren, Nurnos Arms, that tech brought in. I think more along the lines of the Terrence Shannon role, I kind of touched on this last episode. Those are guys, that you can expect to fill in the rotation. Not say that they're going to be TJ Shannon-esque, but their minutes are going to be fulfilling a lot of the roles that TJ was supposed to do. And so I think certainly TJ Shannon's a guy that I do not expect to come back. But I feel like with the guard situation, it's a lot more up in the air. I mean, I'll say if Tech goes after another primary ball handler, if they end up going all the way through and landing them, then I would say that's more of, more of an indication that McClung isn't coming back I mean certainly we've seen Tech go after guards throughout the cycle even guys that they haven't been able to get whether it be Devonte um Devontae Jones or Davion Harmon those guys that they didn't land obviously Malik Wilson that they did land and then but really it's been the wings that they've been really going after I mean We've seen Sardar Calhoun recently transferring from Florida State. Tech has had a lot of perceived interest in him, but I wouldn't say even he is a good indication of McClung leaving because he's another one of those wing creator that, creators that can get his own shot, but he's also more along the lines of a two or a three as opposed to a pure initiator. So, I mean, at this point, I don't necessarily think that McClung is – staying or going I wouldn't read too far into what Tech has been doing I think they're just going out and getting guys that really fit what Mark Adams is trying to do and can play a good role on this team Um, again if that changes you'll hear about it whether it be on here or on Twitter and I certainly think there's an avenue where Tech could go after a series of guys that would make me analyze that but as of now I mean I'm not reading too far into it as I said last episode, I think that it's more likely than not that McClung is gone, but I don't think the specific guys that Tech has gone after has made me reevaluate that in any way.
0: I'm with you. I don't think that I've done a complete 380, 360, whatever, on where I was on um, the last time we kind of touched on this. I think in our last episode... I said I was like 85% sure that McClung would come back and 15% sure that I I thought he would leave. Um, But now I think I'm kind of like 70-30. And that's just just due to like the way that the spots are starting to fill. But I I still do think that um, nothing we've seen is is a great indicator um, of him leaning one way or the other. Um, like M- Miley Wilson, obviously, I-, I project him playing a little bit of a point guard role. Chandler Jacobs, I see him playing a little bit of a point guard role. But everything else is is really switchable, and that's by design. And that's Mark Adams being really smart and building a roster well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I- I've completely flipped on-, on where I'm at. And I think you just kind of got to take a step back and, and re- re- reevaluate things. So like there's 11 players on the roster right now. And then Marcus Santos Silva scholarship does not count towards the limit because he is a senior and stayed with the school that he was at last season due to the new COVID-19 rule. So at, there are at least 13, scho- or not 13 scholarships left. That, that would be great. There are at least three scholarships left. So, I mean, you could even estimate like – Let's say Benson and Duncan do end up being walk-ons. Then you have five scholarships left. So I don't think it's necessarily time to panic or to read too far into things. I thought it was interesting. Um, John Rothstein today obviously saying that Tech had been in contact with Brandon Mahan. He is like a wing from uh, who transferred out of UCF. He shot the ball really, really well this season. Um, So kind of another guy that can play on the wing. But I I mean, there's still like, I know a lot of people are like, they're loaded on guards. When are we getting bigs? And I I know that I was whining about it a bunch on Twitter today, and I'll I'll try to get off my soapbox every once in a while. But I I do think that that's not necessary to panic yet. And I, I do understand the perspective that, that they haven't added any front court depth yet and I do understand why that's worrisome. And I do think that they should add a a, a front court player. Like I just think they need to because they can't have one guy in the front court in, in in Big Twelve play or else he I mean, especially with the way that Marcus Santos Silva got into foul trouble last season. But like I'm also confident that they are going to add um another front court player just because there's there's still time. I mean, like I mentioned, there's at least three scholarships left and Bryson Williams still on the board. Trey Mitchell, I, I have no idea what's going on with his recruitment. I had somebody tell me that he had been contacted by 112 Division One schools the other day, which is insane. Can you imagine dealing with that many phone calls? Um, but there, there's still a lot of good bigs on the on the market. There's there's still guys hitting the portal. I mean, Remy Martin, the two time All Conference player, hit the hit the portal the other night, maybe last night, but necessarily time to panic or to necessarily uh, write it in stone that McClung is gone um, but yeah I, I do think that it's an energy to watch um, but yeah I, I don't think that that time's up or anything or that they need to panic and, and sign the first guy over six foot eight that they can find on the market I think that right now everything is fine they just need to take a deep breath everyone needs to take a deep breath and kind of reevaluate where the roster's at. But, yeah, that's my super, super long-winded answer. Obviously, last episode we talked for an hour and a half, so we're hoping to get you out of here pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, that that's Miley Wilson. I, I think he'll be a good player, and I know Emery does too. But, yeah, Emery is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up a little bit earlier, at least earlier than we were last week?
1: I think that's about it. I think, again, stay tuned. Tech is not done adding pieces. I would not be surprised if we hear about them adding a front court or another wing player in the coming weeks. Um, as for Malik, Malik Wilson, I think his ability to pressure the rim and play great on ball defense is something I'm really looking forward to. Shot may or, not be, may or may not be there, and I will say his free throw form, you can't touch on this, is really kind of strange, but it works pretty well so those are things that tech fans are going to get to know about him in the few in the coming months so that's about it. it is nice to get to talk again it's a little bit of a shorter episode this time which is probably a good thing because i think talking about an hour and a half for an hour and a half about a singular guy might have been a little bit excessive but yeah i mean hopefully the next time we come back tech has some more roster updates some more guys that have great individual traits and for now you can stay tuned Obviously our Twitters are linked in the description and we've been active with all the roster stuff going on and can you stay tuned? That's my message for the day.
0: Yeah. Emery mentioned our Twitters. You can follow us there. Um, and then follow our our main account that is also in the description if you want to ask a question or if you have any feedback about the show. We really appreciate it. But yeah, thing, things will start slowing down here. I think like the last handful of episodes we've done have been breaking news-ish. I know that we're a couple of days late on Wilson, but we also have lives outside of a podcast. Um, but things will start slowing down just by nature of the fact that Texas Tech is running out of scholarships. Um, and when that when that happens, we, we do have some fun off-season content. We're going to kind of recap uh, the seasons from the guys that are uh, returning and then kind of talk about what they can bring to the court next season. But until things do slow down, we're going to keep bringing you these breakdowns. Like Emery mentioned, we'll probably hear some more news by the next time that we are on. Again, um, just follow us on Twitter if you want to interact. Um, leave us a review and subscribe wherever you listen. It really helps us out. And we'll be back hopefully in a week with some good news of EJ Onu joining Texas Tech. That That's my hot take. That's not really a prediction or anything, but it's my, it's my hot wish list. All right, we'll see you.